It's a great honor to be back again to your church and uh, to worship with you. We pray very much for you every Sunday when we are away that the Lord will be with you and uh, open his way to you and that you will grow in the grace in the knowledge and love of our Lord Jesus Christ and that your lives will become a shining as the Lord wants it to be in the places where you work from Monday for the rest of the week, not just on Sundays. So you are very much in our prayers and I just pray that the Lord will bless this congregation and add to it those who are being saved as a result of your testimony. Now, we talk about uh, minor prophets. <laughs> now, there is nothing minor about them as far as their ministry is concerned. The word minor refers only to the shortness of the uh, prophecy that was given to them. Uh, Isaiah, of course, has about 60 or more, 66 um, pages, um, uh, chapters. And uh, Jeremiah has about 52 or more. Uh, and so um, uh, you, you can go through all the others who are, uh, 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 Daniel has about 12. Uh, and before Daniel, you have, uh, um, I'm growing old. <laughs> you have others also who, who are among the major prophets. Uh, Jeremiah, and then uh, I think uh, after Jeremiah you have Ezekiel. Yes, that's right, and, and, and so on. But the minor prophets are minor because their chapters are few. There are only four here in this last of the uh, minor prophets, Malachi. I don't think you hear of, about Malachi very much. How many of you have heard sermons about Malachi before? I doubt it. No, you haven't, you see. So this is going to be a, a <laughs> the first for you. <laughs> I hadn't also heard about Malachi for a long time until we began a series in the Minor Prophets. And somebody uh, spoke on Amos. And I said, oh, well, tremendous. I would rank, I rank uh, Amos as among the major prophets. But he's a minor prophet because he has only a few pages a few chapters. Now, first of all, the message and its recipients. Malachi means my messenger. That's the that's Hebrew that's translation. Malachi, my messenger. But to whom was God's message addressed? Now, in your Bibles, you find that he says, Israel, the Lord's message to Israel. That needs clarification. Because, you see, when you talk about Israel, there were two kingdoms after, Dave, after Solomon. The people of the Lord were divided into two. Jer uh, Jeroboam had ten tribes broken off uh, away from uh, the um, uh, 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 Rehoboam. Rehoboam was the son of Solomon who succeeded. Now, he was very arrogant, and because of his arrogance, the ten tribes said, you look after David's, David's house. We are going to form our own. 
So they broke off and made Samaria their capital. And they became what they were, the northern kingdom of Israel. Now the southern kingdom was only of two tribes left. Judah and uh, Benjamin. And they formed the two tribes. They are the two tribes who form uh, the southern kingdom of Judah. Right? So, if, if, if you say that uh, this was addressed to Israel, your mind immediately will go to the northern kingdom. But you know, by the time this was written, the northern kingdom was no longer in existence. In 700 and, uh, 722 BC, the Assyrian emperor called Shamanazeh, uh, port, uh, he, he conquered the northern kingdom of uh, Israel uh, uh, with his capital Samaria and deported the entire population uh, to Assyria. So there was no longer a northern kingdom. And then he brought foreigners from Assyria to take the place of the uh, Israelites whom he had deported. So from that time on, from the time uh, 722 uh, um, the former Israel was occupied by foreigners the reason why the Jews do not like uh, the uh, um, Samarians is because of that the, the actual Israelites who were living there have now been deported all of them deported and scattered in the kingdom of Assyria and uh, foreigners have been brought into what used to be Samaria and Israel. And so that place was, from that time on, occupied by foreigners. That's the problem. That's, that, that's the reason why the Jews and the Samaritans uh, do not have a relationship, because these are foreigners. They look up, upon them as foreigners. So in fact, this letter, uh, this prophecy was not given to Israel in that sense. They didn't exist. In fact, it was given to the Jews who have returned from exile. The Jews were returned from exile when uh, the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar was uh, overthrown during the time of Belteshazzar. It, it was overthrown by the um, Medes and the Persians. The Medes and Persians from uh, uh, the um, the regime that took over from the from Nebuchadnezzar and his uh, and his um, uh, his uh, followers, the kingdom of uh, um, the Chaldeans were defeated, and it was divided. You remember, in fact, during the time of Belteshazzar, that he was uh, he and his uh, wives and concubines were drinking wine from the vessels that had been taken from Jerusalem. Uh, uh, you know in. And then there was the writing on the wall. Your kingdom has been divided. Uh, divided between patients and the uh, 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 Medes and patients. Uh, and uh, you, you remember that, that uh, uh, Daniel was fetched from somewhere, nowhere, to come and read the writing on the wall because nobody could interpret it. And, and, uh, and we are told that that night, that very night, uh, Cyrus, who was uh, from the, uh, uh, from the uh, Medes and Persians, 
he defeated Belteshazzar. And so he abolished, you know, the, the kingdom of, uh, the, the empire of uh, Nebuchadnezzar no longer existed. It had been taken over by the Persians and the Medes. Now when Cyrus, who took over, when he came into power, he commanded uh, the Jews, that's uh, the ones whom Nebuchadnezzar has carried into uh, exile, he commanded them to go back and, uh, and gave all the vessels that Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple. He gave it all to them and he said they should go back. He says, well, he didn't force them. He says, how many I want to go back, can go back and, uh, and, and rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. And, uh, uh, and there, were, there were many people who went back then at that time. Um, and, and, and to rebuild the, the temple. In fact, um, Cyrus uh, freed all of them from, from the Babylonian exile and, uh, and gave all the vessels from the temple to them and sent them to go and rebuild the temple there. Now, uh, Ezra, I think, was a scribe at that time. Now, after the, um, I think, uh, uh, what is the name? Uh, who took the first batch back. After the ba first batch had gone back to uh, Jerusalem, he also sent uh, uh, Ezra, who was a very, who was, uh, 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 who specialized in the laws of Moses. He knew the Old Testament back to front. And Cyrus sent him that he may go to, go back and teach the retained uh, in Jerusalem, the laws of Moses and also the ordinances of worship that the Lord had given to Moses. So that as the temple was built, the worship of the Lord was restored and all the, um, the things that the Lord had commanded Moses to do, which were doing before the exile, uh, now they were going to go back again and be a people there. And Cyrus was very generous. He also say, uh, commanded his people in the, uh, on that side of the, uh, uh, um, of the empire that they should actually provide everything that these retainees will need in order to build a temple. So in fact, the Lord's temple in Jerusalem was rebuilt at the expense of the uh, Medes and the Persians, Cyrus's uh, uh, empire. So, he provided everything so that the uh, temple of the Lord and the worship of the Lord will be restored. So in fact, the people who received this, this uh, um, uh, uh, message, uh, the message of Malachi, were those who had returned to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple and, uh, and those who were being instructed by, um, uh, 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 Ezra, whom the, uh, whom the emperor had sent. Now, so successful was this uh, instruction that uh, uh, Ezra was giving to them, the people were really eager to learn, uh, that we are told in Nehemiah chapter 8 and chapter 9, 
we are given a record of the impact that God's word had on the retainees at that time. We are told that uh, they were uh, they, they, they served the Lord with joy and rejoicing. He said, blessed be your glorious name and may be exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone are the Lord. Now that's a quotation from Nehemiah chapter 9 and verse 5. Now, that did not last. God's bitter disappointment. That's the next thing that we read about in our Now all that had changed, that revival that came as a result of Ezra's instruction of the people and teaching them to serve the Lord and the temple had been rebuilt and so on. But now everything had changed. And we find in Malachi's message a catalog of God's bitter disappointment with his people. It's all summed up in the uh, first chapter, verse 6. God says, a son honors his father, and a servant honors his master. If I am a father, where is my honor? Where is the honor due to me? And if I am a master, where is this respect due to me? The people of the Lord had backslidden in such a dramatic way that everything that the Lord wanted them to do, they were doing the opposite. You remember in uh, Leviticus, many, many times the phrase keeps coming when the Lord was giving the various uh, 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 sacrifices that should be made on the altar. The animal, he says, should be without blemish. The, the phrase without blemish, without blemish. If it is a lamb, it, is, it should be without blemish. If it is a goat, it should be without blemish. If it is a, a ram, it should be without blemish. It, it keeps coming all the time in Leviticus, where the sacrifices are you know, given to, uh, as Moses gave it to the people. But now the priests were offering sick animals on the altar of the Lord. He says so. He said, they show contempt to, the God, to God's name. And it was, it was just unbelievable for all that the Lord had done for them. And the Lord was completely and utterly disgusted with them. He really was bitterly disappointed with his people. Showing contempt, crippled animals, blind animals, diseased animals were the ones that they were offering on the altar. And as far as uh, uh, we also know, um, the, Lord, the Lord said he wished that he, there was somebody who would go and shut the doors of the temple or the tabernacle so that they won't go in, nobody will go in uh, as the priest used to do morning and uh, evening. To offer, he says, useless uh, incense on his on the altar of incense there. So disgusted was the Lord against his people. Now it was not only the priests who were behaving in this abominable way, but the people also. The Lord charges them being for being 
to, for stealing from him. You are robbing God, he says. <laughs> In the reading, uh, you, 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 you saw. They were robbing God. Now, how are they were robbing God? They challenged, they said, how are we robbing you? And he says, in tithes and offerings. Now, that's a very serious thing. Because, you see, when the land was divided among the tribes, the Lord expressly said, you should not give any portion of the land to the priests or to the Levite tribes. Tribe. Why? Because he says, I am their inheritance. The Lord said he is the inheritance of the Levites and the priests. So the priests and the Levites were giving um, uh, uh, towns, the, uh, the various towns where they can live, right? And where they can keep the anim animals if they have animals at all. But they did not have any share among the 11. All the land was divided with, uh, among the 11, but not for the Levites and for the priests. God says they are, uh, he is their inheritance, and they should not. So now how are they to be fed if they didn't have a land? And, and uh, Well, the way in which the Lord would feed his people was that every, every tenth of every harvest belongs to the Lord. The first fruits and the tenth, uh, uh, the tithe of all the, uh, everybody, every one of the tribes, uh, everybody among the tribes, <laughs> they were to bring the first fruits of all that they had planted in the land into the temple. And there were the temple, the people were uh, set aside among the Levites who received that and were uh, responsible for the tithes that the people bring. And also, after you have harvested your annual, uh, you know, uh, produce from your land, a tenth of it, a tithe of it, belonged to the priests. So they brought the tithe into the temple storehouse so that the priests and the Levites could be fed. That's the way in which they were, they were fed. That's their sustenance because they had no land. They, were, they had no property. They didn't grow anything. They were to devote their time, the Levites and the priests, entirely to the worship of the Lord. And it is the, their people that were to provide for them from the tithe of their first fruits, they bring all their first fruits to the Lord for the priests and for the Levites. And they bring a tenth of all their harvest also to the temple so that the priests and the Levites could be fed. So when the Lord says, you are robbing me, it's because he has stopped bringing the tithes and offerings. And of course, that meant that the priests were being starved. So it, is, it, it was a very serious thing that, they were, uh, that the Lord charged them with. The priests were showing contempt to the Lord in offering sick animals and animals that are, are blemished on the altar of the Lord. Such tremendous contempt entirely against what the Lord had commanded them and insisted as, as, as in the time of Moses. And the people were robbing the Lord for failing to bring the tithes of their produce and the first fruits to the temple so that the priests and the Levites could be fed. 
There were many other things that the priests were doing also. There were priests, uh, the Lord says, I hate divorce. The priests were divorcing their wives and marrying foreigners who were not Israelites. That's what the Lord says, uh, um, the daughters of, uh, um, of uh, daughters of foreign gods. That means uh, people um, who have been brought in from outside, who were not worshippers of the Lord. So the priest will divorce his wife and take a foreigner. And the, Lord, the Lord's name was therefore being held in with disrespect among the nations surrounding them. Now, what was the Lord going to do about this? Of course, he said, he said to the priests that they are cursed. But you know, the, the Lord cannot cease to love his people. He has not dealt with us, says Psalm 103. He has not dealt with us according to our sins or punished us. He doesn't punish us according to our, 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 our sins. Because, you see, if they are faithless, the Lord cannot be faithless. He's faithful. He cannot deny himself. And he has promised to love his people to the end. So he, even though he may punish them, he cannot really disown them because, because of his love for them. For the sake of Abraham, for the sake of Isaac and for the sake of Jacob that's what the Lord keeps saying is for the sake of all his promises to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob he cannot cease to love them so he punishes them yes but he will not cease to love them how is he going to make sure that they conform to what what he had commanded them to do well the way in which he was going to do that was read to us in chapter 3. He is going to send a messenger who will follow, a, a messenger who will precede the one, the one whom they look for, he says. He says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking, that's the Christ, the Lord who are seeking, he says, will come, will suddenly come into his temple. He is a messenger of the covenant whom you desire. He will come, he says, the Lord. And then he says, well, who will endure his coming? Because he's coming as a refiner of fire. He will refine his people and make sure that they do what they are supposed to do. He's coming like a fuller soap, you know, the, the strongest soap which you use in washing a cloth if you want to make it really white. Says what the Lord Jesus Christ will be like that. With a strong soap and a fullest fire, he will refine them as silver is refined in the fire. Then he says, the priests and the Levites will now be qualified to offer sacrifices that are acceptable to the Lord. So it is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is how his people are going to be prepared and purified so that they may offer the offerings that are pleasing to him and they will keep his covenant after he, they have been purified. 
Now, if we apply that to ourselves, that is the same as us. It's the Lord Jesus Christ coming that has made us pure so that we may also offer sacrifices that are acceptable to God. So, we also are to be purified as a Levites and the priests are purified so that we can offer offerings that are acceptable to the Lord. It all is in his son Jesus Christ. The one he promised as the son of Abraham in, in whom all the nations, the families of the nations are to be blessed. It is in him that you and I also are blessed as we sit here. We are cleansed. We are able to offer sacrifices that are acceptable to the Lord because of what he did on the cross for us. We have been purified by his blood. We've been made clean by his blood. And his spirit is still working in us, still purifying us, still sanctifying us, making us like Christ so that we can offer offerings that are pleasing to him. In uh, Romans chapter 12, that was what the Apostle Paul was praying for the Roman Christians. Romans chapter 12. Let me read what the Apostle says, uh, said to them there and see that we can apply it also to ourselves. Look at Romans 12. If you have your Bible, you can look at it also. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, and I mean sisters as well, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourselves, your bodies, as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, see, without blemish. <laughs> holy and pleasing to God. He says, this is your spiritual act of worship. This is the kind of sacrifice that the Lord is looking for. And we are able to offer our bodies now because of the mercies that have been shown to us on the cross. We are now clean, and we are not just to bring any, any uh, animals that are without blemish. We are to bring our bodies, ourselves, without blemish. He's, make us, he's made us clean. We are holy and pleasing to God now because of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. We are now clean. So he's asking us to offer ourselves as living sacrifice to God holy and pleasing to him. We are not to conform any longer to this world, but we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we may prove that which is good and pleasing and perfect before God. And that is what I would like us 
is not like the priest offering sick animals and provoking the Lord to anger. The one who has said that they should bring only animals that are without blemish, pure and without blemish, on his altar. Now we offer ourselves not in animals, even however pure they are, we are offering ourselves our bodies, our beings, our very lives are being presented to him as a living sacrifice. The Lord has already made it pure. He's cleansed us and it is acceptable to our Father. And day by day, that's the offering that we are to bring to him. We are not following the world anymore. We are being renewed in our minds by his word. What he wants is all here in his word. And that is what we pray, that by his grace we may conform. And then we are accepted to him. And he says we will prove. We will prove then in our own experience what is good and pleasing and perfect. That is what he has made us to be. That is what he wants us to be. He's perfecting us in Christ. And the more we present ourselves in this way to the Lord, the more we in fact are becoming what he wants us to be through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So my brothers, that's the message that I have from the Lord for you and for me today. His people that he had brought back from exile and planted there, he's touched the heart of this emperor, Cyrus, to be propitious to them. He has sent them back. He's provided everything that is needed to rebuild the temple, and he's given all the materials that were taken away from the former temple back to the temple in Jerusalem. And he sent this messenger of Ezra to go and instruct them in the laws of Moses and in the traditions, uh, in the worship, pure worship of the Lord. And they have already sat under his feet and they were confessing the, you know, the tremendous work that the word of God has done in them. But now, all of a sudden, they changed, they turned, they changed. They were robbing God and priests were offering sick animals on the altar of the Lord. When you read it to yourself and you consider what the Lord has commanded them, you know, you begin to feel that <laughs> if you were in the Lord's place, you'd probably wipe them off completely and start afresh. But the Lord is not like that. He's made a promise to Abraham and even if they are faithless, he is faithful. He cannot deny himself. He's faithful. And he's loved them still. And now we're glad that he is like that. Because many times he would also have written them off. Now sometimes when I'm reading this concerning his people of old, and I'm beginning to feel angry on God's behalf, I, te I tell myself, you can't be angry with them. Because you are also like that. We all stand in, may, in, the, in, uh, in need of God's mercy. So when you, when you read about them and they are doing what you think you would never have done it yourself, please 
don't, <laughs> don't condemn them. Otherwise, you are condemning yourself. We are all like that. The spirit may be willing, but the flesh is weak. And we find ourselves, however much we desire to be holy, doing things that we know we shouldn't do. And then we have to repent. Fortunately, the Lord answers prayer. When we repent, he forgives us. And when he forgives us, he forgets what we have done there. He says he forgives and forgets. So he will not remember what we did yesterday against us today. Because he forgave us. When we sinned, we repented. And he's forgiven us. And the sins that he forgives, he says he forgets. So the Lord is faithful. He cannot deny himself. And we are glad that he is like that. He loves us. And he says he will love us to the very end. Let us bow our heads then in prayer. Father, we confess that your people of old disappointed you. Unfortunately, Lord, we confess that so do we also in our day. We catch ourselves disappointing the Lord. The things that we said we would do, we do not do. And the things that we hated, as the apostle said, that we find ourselves doing. And we thank you, Lord, that you do not change. You are always loving. Your love is steadfast love. It's always there. And we praise you and thank you. And through our Lord Jesus Christ, you have loved us and brought us to yourself as your children, the sons and daughters of the living God. We pray, O oh Lord, that you will help us to be conformed to his image so that he indeed will be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters, that we will be like him more and more as your word sanctifies us. We pray, Lord, that you will help us to be like him so that we may offer you sacrifices that are pleasing in your sight. And teach us, O oh Lord, not to rob God. The things that you require from us from your word, we pray, Lord, that we may be quick to provide for the sake of all others also who depend upon you and upon that which we are able to give. We ask, Lord, that you help us that we may be cheerful givers to our Lord so that the word which you have given to us may go forward. That there will be those who preach it, those who are supported to teach us so that the word may increase and, uh, and, and grow and bring many, many more to the knowledge of yourself. So thank you again that we have